says, whenever I go to a restaurant, I always wait for my friends to start eating before I do, just in case the food is poisoned. <laughs> that's nice. Yes, that's how you uh, spend quality time with your friends. Hey, we made it to the end of this, uh, well, roller coaster of a series, to say the least. This is week six of Right in the Eye. And if at any point in this series, even today, you find something that's really helpful, you thought of somebody like, hey, that so-and-so would really benefit from hearing that, you can send them every single week's message if you want to. It, persistence is key. Um, you can go to our website, infuse.church slash messages, or go to our app um, to check out every week's message, uh, listen to the audio, watch the video, whatever works for you through our app or on line. Now, a free, few weeks ago, um, I talked about just for like a brief second in the middle of a message that we were going to skip over the story of a judge in the book of Judges named Gideon. And if you remember, if you've been with us at all really through the series, we've been looking at this like timeline to get a kind of a sense of where in history we're looking. We're looking the 300 years between about 1300 BC and 1000 BC or in the nation of Israel's history between Joshua, a very famous warrior guy, and the kings like King David, King, Saul, uh, King Solomon. Um, and we're looking at this in-between period where the nation of Israel was supposed to be ruled when they needed help by God. And then when they needed help, God would lift up some judges to kind of pseudo lead them through the trial or to to deliver them out of the hands of an enemy, et cetera, et cetera. So anyways, we've, each story we've been looking at, a series of judges or the nation of Israel. And today I thought, hey, you know what? The, the story of Gideon is a really good story. In fact, he's one of like the better or best almost judge in the book of Judges. There's a lot to learn about him. So we should take a moment to look at him. We don't have the time to go through his entire life, but we're going to touch on the first part of his life to end this uh, series, and then you can go um, later today and read the rest of his story. It's pretty great. Um, now, my wife, uh, Stephanie, has told me a number of times through this series that I've been getting a little edgy throughout the series, and so today I thought, hey, why not just start off on a little bit of an edge with everyone? And so we're going to start off with this statement, this idea that we have a tendency to live our lives as if we were, uh, at least as if we're in a hole in the ground. We have this tendency to live our life, to see the world, to make decisions as if we lived in a hole in the ground or for the sake of the story, and if you're familiar with the story of Gideon, in a wine press, which essentially we'll look at it in just a second, is a hole in the ground. Maybe you are driven by fear of what is happening in the world today or in your past or some relationships you've had or maybe some weird fears like we just heard about in that funny video. Uh, maybe it's just more comfortable for you to kind of live indoors, kind of wall yourself off from other people. It, you maybe feel safer, so you have this tendency to kind of only let a few people into your life, etc. Or maybe you're on the opposite side and you say, Taylor, this is not applicable to me at all. I do not live my life as if I lived in a hole in the ground. I get out, man. I travel. I take risks. I watch the news. I keep up with modern events. And Taylor, I have kids. So even if I built a wall around myself, my kids would just crawl over them and I'd have to get out anyways. That's how parenting goes. And so I would say I don't live in a hole in the ground. And I get where you may feel like you are in this idea. But I want you to bear with me here, especially because this is really important imagery to understand this beginning story in the life of Gideon. 
Now Gideon, when we start this story, we find him in this really unfortunate situation. The nation of Israel, um, which he is a part of, he is an Israelite. Um, They, again, they messed up, which we've heard a lot about in the book of Judges. They messed up. They'd gotten conquered by a neighboring nation um, called uh, the Midian, uh, nation of Midian. And the Midianites came in and they conquered them kind of because Israel messed up. And so for seven years, the Midianites were in control of Israel and they were ruthless. I mean, it was really bad. Like Israel had reached some low points under occupation, but this was really bad. The Midianites would come in all the time and they would, um, you know, take all their food. They'd ravage what they couldn't take or burn it. And in, when you, you know, destroy a food source in those days, it really undermined the entire nation, the entire economy. It kept Israel under submission of Midian. And we kind of learned that last week in the story of Samson about uh, agro-terrorism and how that can really undermine a nation and their ability. Because if you can't eat, it's really hard to do anything Else And so the nation of Israel is just not doing very well. And this whole situation has led Gideon, who um, was kind of, was living in this uh, area of Israel. This is kind of central modern day Israel, Sea of Galilee's up there, uh, right here in a town called Ophrah. All right. And this is where we find Gideon in this picture right here, essentially. This is an ancient uh, wine press. They put all the grapes down there and they, and they press the wine to, or press the grapes to get the wine. Okay, and so he is in the well. He is uh, threshing wheat. Now, for all you professional wheat threshers out there, I don't need to explain this, um, why this is a problem. But for those of you who may not be exceptionally familiar with threshing wheat, it's ideal that you do it outside where the wind can catch um, the, the chaff off the wheat and blow it away. And so then the actual, the good parts of the wheat will fall to the ground and you can use those to make food and flour, etc. Okay. Now for him to be in a well means it's a lot of extra work for him because there's no wind that's going to blow the bad parts away and leave the good parts. But, but to Gideon, it is worth it because to Gideon in this hole, he is safe and safe is right. Safe is nice, isn't it? Being, feeling safe is nice. It brings us stability. It makes life simpler. We don't have to answer big questions when we feel safe. We don't have to feel challenged. We don't have to take risks. We just prefer to say stay safe. It keeps us from the problems or insulated from the problems of the world. And though the problem is when you're in a wine press, um, when you're in a hole, you can't see out. I mean, you feel good. You feel secure, but you just can't see anything else. There's nothing happening in your life. It's just you in a hole. And that's a problem for your future, honestly, in a lot of ways. It's it's a problem for your potential. It's a problem for the future possibilities that you could have in your life. See, when you spend time in a wine press, it begins to do a number of things or a hole in the ground in your life. And again, I mean this figuratively, but you can just kind of do a little self-study and think about maybe not your whole life, but at least parts of your life where, where maybe you tend to isolate yourself away from everyone or isolate your beliefs away from everyone. And you tend to focus inward and you only tend to listen or let people in that kind of affirm what you already feel inside. 
The problem with that is it leads to this underlying issue throughout the book of Judges that we've talked about again and again and again, which is I want what I want when I want it with whom I want it with. That because nobody else is around or we've kind of pushed everybody out of our life, I mean, physically they may be there, but emotionally and relationally and spiritually we've pushed everybody out. We tend to block ourselves off and that tends to just lead to a very inward, selfish, self-focused lifestyle of I want what I want. Why? Because nobody else is in the hole with us in that hole or the part of our life that we've kind of put a hole around. And it begins to shape our beliefs. For example, it begins to shape our political beliefs that we tend to silo into different political camps and we begin to see the entire world through that camp. Why? Because we're in a hole, a political hole, a political position that we can't and won't see anybody else. And it's really difficult because if you're in a hole, you can't see anything else. You begin to silo your morality and your ethics. And and especially what you think about, not just what you act, how you think about others, what you think about when you see her, what you think about when you see him, because nobody else can get into your mind. And so you feel safe to think negative, terrible, wrong things in your mind. Maybe when it comes to the possibilities or your future, you tend to silo and you tend not to see much beyond what is in that safe place or that safe habit or ritual or rhythm of your life. Maybe when it comes to your goals, you've been siloed or your parenting, you tend to parent how your parents parented because that's all you know in that hole. That's how you lead. That's how you've approached the pandemic is, yes, we need to kind of stay distance from everybody, but how you've approached it is very much, well, this is just an an excuse for me to just focus on me. And I get it. It's safer. It's easier to only trust ourselves. In, In your whole, you don't have to listen to others. You don't have to listen to beliefs that may be different than you. You don't have to care about everybody else. You don't have to think about other people's perspective or reflect on your own behavior. And I know that kind of sounds bad and you probably are hearing that and you're like, well, that, that kind of makes it sound like I'm, you know, mean and a little selfish and all that stuff. But I, I just want you to think about you in that place. And is it really bringing you the joy and ultimate safety that you want? I think one of the biggest problems with living life in a well, Christian or not, I just want you to think about this, is you can't follow Jesus when you live in a hole in the ground. If you're not a Christian, at least think about then the implications for your Christian friends or people that you know who are Christian, that you can't follow Jesus Christ, the Christ and Christian, when you live in a hole in the ground. Why? Because you can't see how God sees God sees the world and your life a lot bigger than a hole in the ground. You can't care about the people that maybe God has called you to care about because, you know, can in that hole in the ground. And you can't have plans that are bigger than that hole because otherwise it wouldn't fit. Even though maybe God has plans that are bigger than that hole. And it's hard. It's hard to take a step into something new and different. It's hard to be challenged. It's hard to learn and change. I get that. But what is that area for you? Where you kind of know in your heart of hearts that you're not really following Jesus. You're kind of in a wine press in the ground. Like 
we'll find Gideon here in just a second. See, I don't think God stops trying to get us to look over that edge in the hole we've dug ourselves. I think God, through maybe church or church services or reading or a pastor or a friend or a family, at least that's been my experience when, when I doubted, when I kind of isolated myself away from the God, that there were a number of teachers and pastors, friends and family who, who were trying to get me to kind of look over the edge to maybe see things a little bit differently. Because when you do, there's life change. There's problem solving. There's a solution, there's something to fill the void in your heart, in your life that, that just like Gideon, you've been experiencing. So I don't want to pressure you into it, but I just at least want you to consider this truth. So now to the story of Gideon. We find Gideon, he's in a wine press, okay? And when he's in the wine press, the book of Judges says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak and Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, the angel said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Imagine Gideon's confusion. He's in a hole in the ground, and there's someone outside of the hole, yelling into the hole, hey, you mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, you talking to me? Like who, I mean, it mustn't be wrong. Or is this a trap? Or is it someone trying to get me to get out of the well and I'm going to get in trouble and start getting filled with that fear like we talked about earlier? And, and especially because he said mighty and he said warrior and as if it was in reference to me in a wine press. Uh, and why is an angel here? See, Gideon couldn't see the possibility that the Lord of creation had something in store for him. He couldn't see that possibility. So I just want to ask you, are there possibilities that you are missing? Because you're in that safe place, but it's really not keeping you safe. It's really just insulating you from possibility and opportunity and God. Maybe some of you, there's a possibility in your life that You've misunderstood God. You've looked at God through the framework of Christians, especially the Christians who make it onto the television and who get lots of followers. Those kinds of Christians. Maybe, maybe you've misunderstood the heart of God through the acts of the people who claim to be his followers. Maybe there's a possibility in your life you've been looking for God and you're on the right track. You just have to keep going, but you're starting to doubt yourself. You're starting to doubt if it's worth it. And maybe there's a possibility that you are so close. Maybe you, there's a possibility in your life that you want more, but you're right where you're supposed to be. Maybe there's a possibility God is preparing you for something now, but you can't see that. Because it's hard and it's challenging and you're, you're struggling through and it, it's calling you to risk some things that you're not comfortable necessarily risking in the pursuit of your father in heaven. Maybe you feel like your life is going nowhere special, nowhere happy. And that's because you're going down the wrong path like we talked about two weeks ago. And there is God standing on the edge of the well that you're in 
calling you out. You see failure, and God sees a mighty warrior. You won't know what that possibility is until you look outside the hole, until you have a real conversation with the Lord, like Gideon did. Very politely, might I add. Pardon me, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why is all of this happening? All this bad stuff happening to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt with Moses and the, you know, the, all these miracles and parting the Red Sea and all this stuff? Didn't Moses bring us out of Egypt? And it was just amazing. But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. Essentially, Gideon's asking a question that all of us have asked at some point in our life, some one way or another. A big question that says, God, are you with us? God, are you good? God, why do you let bad things happen? Why not God just from the start set me up for a better situation, better parents, better leaders, boss in my life, better jobs, better health? God, why didn't you just set me up? With that, and the angel of the Lord replies to Gideon in that good, good question. He says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel. Save the entire nation, Gideon. I want you to save the entire nation. How many of us have ever saved an entire nation? Save a nation out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? In other words, Gideon, from where you're at, in the bottom of a hole, I could see where it's bad. But could it be it's because you're in a hole that when God looks from a God-sized view, God sees strength. God sees a mighty warrior capable of doing incredible things like we talked about last week, having incredible blessings and skills and abilities like we talked about last week, and yet you're in a hole. Isn't that in and of itself just kind of a bad situation that someone is wasting their abilities, their opportunities, their possibilities in a wine press? See, God looked at Gideon and saw someone that can save a nation. God is looking at Gideon saying, Gideon, I'm doing something. I'm going to do something through you. You have strength, Gideon, and I'm with you. And I get it. Sometimes we, you know, we want God to act, to be the solution. When God's looking at us and saying, maybe you're the solution. Maybe me, God, through you is the solution. Yeah, but, you know, Christian or, or not, you know, it, it's just really tough to take that step, Lord, and it's really tough to, you know, get out of my place of comfort. But the truth is, and you know this, is you can't save a nation from a wine press. It is just like a physics, mathematical problem. You're in a hole. You're not going to save. You're not going to do something incredible in there. And you know what, Gideon, you want to bring up Moses? That's fine, but think about Moses. Read, actually read his story, Gideon, because I'm not even sure you read Moses' story because you're quoting his story. And Moses was the same way. He's like, Lord, don't pick me. I'm not a good leader. I can't speak very well. Why are you taking me, Lord? All this kinds of stuff. But guess what Moses did that Gideon was struggling with? Moses went. 
to the most powerful person in the entire nation of Egypt, Pharaoh, and said, let my people go. Again and again and again and again. And he led a nation. See, God isn't going to force you, but he will absolutely give you his hand as the angel of the Lord was to Gideon and saying, I'm going to help you out. You're going to have to step out, but I'm going to help you out. When it comes to your faith journey, God is right there saying, I'm ready to help you out. Your life goals, your political viewpoint, your money, your parenting, God is looking at saying, you're in a hole right now and I'm going to pull you out to see a new perspective. I want you to see it through my eyes. Through my eyes. And it must have just clicked for Gideon because here's what Gideon said next. He said, You're 100% right, my Lord. I've been avoiding you in my life. So now I will trust God fully, reading the Bible daily and courageously leading the nation of Israel to victory. Now, I made that up. That's not in the Bible. I wish it was in the Bible. I wish that was your story. I wish, I pray that that's how you would respond. But actually how Gideon responded was this. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, polite. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest, excuse, in Manasseh, his tribe. And I am the least in my family. So literally, God, I am like the weakest clan, the weakest person in my family. There's a reason I'm in a wine press. I'm the least of these. Isn't it true that we can be masters, professionals, experts at searching for reasons to not take that step of faith, of growth, of change. When really at the end of the day, at the end of the day, all it is, is an excuse. All it is is an excuse to do nothing. Because God's not sitting there denying, hey, you are at the bottom of your family. Your clan's definitely not the strongest. But Gideon, I think you can work through it. I think, Gideon, you can even grow through it. And I think with my help, you can achieve victory. The Lord answered, Gideon, I need you to remember something. I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Just like God was Samson and Moses and the prodigal son. And really all throughout the entire Bible, you read over and over again of God telling his people, God telling individuals, God saying, I am with you. I'm with you. And I think we just need to be honest with ourselves and consider the fact that the only reason God is not with you is there's no room for him in your wine press, in the hole. You've made room for other things in your life, a lot of other things, job, careers, ambitions, all those things, stuff, physical stuff. You've made room for that, but you haven't made room for God. And you want to know the best way to make room is to get out of the hole. It's just, just get out of the hole. Think about the world difference between seeing the world in a wine press and through like that picture and seeing the world from above the wine press. Massive difference in size, scope, and possibility. To get out of the hole and invite God into your time 
into your heart, into your words, into your career, into your planning, into your finance, into your relationship with your children, into relationship with your parents, and to see what happens, to see what strength really is. And I get it. No one prefers drastic change. No one wants to hold up their hand and say, you know, God, I admit that I was wrong and, you know, I've been, you know, squandering my opportunities and, you know, I I really haven't made room for you in my life. Nobody wants to admit that they've sinned, that they've fallen short, that they've chosen the wrong path, that they have fallen short of God's love. They want to, you know, they don't want to admit that they're living in a silo and avoiding God. I get that it is difficult because it's different, because that different perspective, that different view The different morality is difficult because it's different. I get it. But God is patient. God is kind. God is merciful. God is loving. Gideon tested God many, many, many more times before he got to this place where the story ends. And and it says that essentially the nation of Israel lived in peace for years because of Gideon's leadership and Gideon's Honestly, Gideon's faith. He tested God many times, but every time he tested God, he was at least taking a step. He was at least working through and learning to trust. He wasn't taking big leaps, but at least he was trying and working at it, striving for the big leaps. Read the remaining story. Read Judges chapter 6, 7 on your way home. Pull it up on the Bible app. He got out of the wine press. He started trusting God, his father in heaven. And it was just this amazing story of faithfulness and God saying, Gideon, I'm going to work you down so that all you have left is me. And then we're going to do some incredible, miraculous things. But we have to walk away from the trap of the judges, the other judges in the book of Judges. We got to walk away from how relatable, unfortunately relatable they are. That they so often fall into the traps of safety, staying where they're comfortable with what they're doing and not seeing the world as God sees it, not trusting God. And it's difficult. How many people in your life could you name who honestly have been trapped by everybody else, trapped because of pressures from everybody else and pressures of not having enough or getting enough or wanting enough? How many people live trapped by their insecurities or their unmet desires? How many Christians have fallen short of that Christian mantle, that Christian expectation? A lot. But you got to find it again by getting out of the hole and finding where real freedom begins, peace, joy, love, strength, all of that is really found. The fullness of life is really found. And that is when you trust God and you believe in here fully that God is with you. Just ask yourself, what is possible if you trust that God is for you and God is with you? What little wells, parts of your life can you step away from You're not feeling insecure. You're not driven to. You're not controlled by. Because instead you have chosen to trust that God is for you and God is with 
you? What if extraordinary things are possible through you? And if you balk at that idea, because I know there's some of you at home listening to that idea that extraordinary things could come through you, and you balk at that idea, then I think you have a God-sized problem. Because your God is so small and so isolated and so distant that you can't see things through his eyes. Because you're so stuck in your own little safety, safe world. This is not an ego trip. This is not to build you up like, oh, I'm amazing. I can accomplish great things. This is a trusting thing. This is an tr- exercise in trusting God. And when you trust God, you actually become a lot more humble because you know that so much of what you do and accomplish is through him. For some of you, maybe your next step, I talk about this once in a while. Um, we talk about it at Infuse. We call it doing something significant, serving, inviting, giving it in a group. And you know that sounds kind of like cliche and catchy and, you know, just a marketing spiel or something, but it's really not. It's practically played out. Think about serving. Now you can serve in ways here at Infuse, but I just want you to maybe go check out Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Just read through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and think about Is there at least one way that Jesus talks about that we could, you could, serve others? Invite, give. Maybe, yes, it can be to the church, but it can also be to those in need. It can be to food banks and and national organizations that help people. Maybe you get in a group. A lot of great outdoor groups happening right now. I have never once heard someone who said, who stuck with a group more than four weeks, I've never heard someone say, you know what, that group was a complete waste of my time. Never heard that. I've always heard amazing things from people who choose to be in community and to trust that that's a format in which God can work in incredible ways. So my challenge is to you to think about what is possible if you trust God that God is for you and God is with you. Now, before we wrap up these six weeks, I want to end with the verse we started with in this entire series, the last verse in the book of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel. All the people did what was right in their own eyes. You will never find the fullness of life, your true existence and purpose, you will never get yourself out of, fully out of that hole when you live life like this. This puts you in a hole. When you swap out this, this Israel and you put yourself as the topic of this verse, in those days there was no king in Taylor's life and all that Taylor did what was right in his own eyes, that will drive you into a hole faster than you realize. Fullness of life is possible when you at least start peeking over the edge of the hole, when you start looking and seeking to find truth, to recognize where maybe you've pushed God out, where you've lived only through your own eyes and what honestly you thought was right, not from what God said was right. And you consider inviting him back in. And Christians, Christians, listen up if you've tuned out just for a second. I'm almost done. Christians, Israel, Israel was chosen by God, his holy people. 
But you see how often they messed up. You see how often they became complacent. And that always, always led to them doing what was just right and looking at the world as right through their eyes, not God. And I say that not to scare you or fear you. I say that to refresh your mind and your heart to the truth and the life that's possible through faith in God. Don't forget to read the rest of the story of Gideon and discuss these remaining two questions with your friends, family, whoever you're watching with. Maybe call somebody up and just ask them, hey, what are the areas of your life that maybe you're living in a wine press? Like faith, church, politics, ambitions, finances. Where is maybe an area of your life where you're kind of in a wine press? Maybe all of them. I, I don't know. What holds you back from trusting that God is for you and with you? What holds you back from this idea? If you would, bow your heads and uh, pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for working through a broken people, a broken nation, as you did through Israel 3,000 years ago. Thank you that we get to read these stories, this, these little bits of history, and how you were there every moment. For your people. You didn't leave them. They chose to leave you, but you always brought them back. You always redeemed them. Lord, help us wherever we are in our faith journey. Maybe we're just starting. Maybe we're checking it out. Maybe we've been faithfully following you for years. Remind our hearts, stir our hearts to the truth that there are areas that we don't invite you into. There are areas that are full of doing what's right in our own eyes, in, in our lives. Lord, convict us of that. Lord, help us to seek those out and, and to look over the edge and, and, or better yet, to step out of them and to invite you in. Help us to trust you to be faithful to you as Gideon learned to trust you, even if it's baby step at baby step at baby step, but that nonetheless, we would take step towards you. Thank you that we can at least read. Maybe we don't quite yet believe, but that at least we can read and wrestle with that that's the kind of God you are, a God of redemption, of forgiveness, a God of love and promise. Help us to take that step of faith. Help us to remember the faith that we once had that we need to recommit to. Help us to have the courage and the faithfulness of Gideon. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you haven't already,